0: Commercial may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers, as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy errors or omissions reported during this program.
1: For over 50 years, people have relied on Village Green Apothecary to give them individualized nutrition,
2: pharmacy, and healthy living products. Village Green provides you with a kind of personalized health and attention that mass market pharmacies have long ago forgotten. You can depend on
1: us for knowledge, experience, product selection, customer service, and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or call us at
2: 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM. 1500. I am your host for today, Dr. Kevin Pacero. Thank you all for tuning in. We're here every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m., so don't forget to set your dials. My wonderful co host Dana Lake will be back next week. We thank you all for tuning in. It is always an honor and privilege to be here. Doing the radio show is one of the things that I really do enjoy most just sharing information, meeting new people, discussing new topics. It's a great education for me, and hopefully, it's a great education for you all as well. Today, no exception. We've got another great uh, special guest lined up. We're going to be talking about a topic that we've breached in other areas, but with a little bit of a different bend on it. Um, you know, a lot of times we we do talk about a specific topic and we touch on different nutrients or herbs, and I usually always cover some aspect of lifestyle. But from my standpoint, and I talk about this on the show often, this is just from being in the trenches every day, you know, which just basically means it doesn't sound as bad as it is. It's something I love doing. It's seeing patients every day. And I've been doing that for the last 15 years. So I'm getting some good experience, starting to get some good experience as a seasoned clinician under my belt and learned really different ways to help people and watch so many different thousands and thousands of cases and people's health journey unfold in front of me. And what I've learned sort of as I've gotten more and more experience is that in order to really make the most significant impacts in somebody's health you have to really implement the fundamental aspects of health and healing which i have found to really start and be rooted in in nutrition and you know i've always been big on nutrition and talking about getting people to eat healthier but it wasn't until i really brought a very talented in-house nutritionist into my clinic And we started co-managing cases where she was intensely working with people with diet. So we were not just making the basic recommendations of eat this a little healthier, eat that a little bit healthier. But we were literally controlling people's diets week by week, day by day, giving them the specific menu plan that we wanted them to have and giving them the emotional and moral and all the other support necessary in order to implement big changes like that. And that's where I started to see. These massive, massive changes happen in people's health in very short periods of time. Sometimes within three to four weeks, people that walked in on a cane due to pain or arthritis or inflammation walked in with huge smiles, no walking assistance, and said it's the first time they've been pain-free in 15 or 20 years. I've had 65-year-old people tell me that they haven't felt this good since they were 18, and they're 65 now. Um, we see, and then we see lab things happen. Like uh, you see it on lab reports. You see type 2 diabetes reverse. You see cholesterol uh, numbers drop 70, 80, 100 points in four weeks and completely normalize without any medications. And not in addition, you also see things like blood pressure drop and blood sugar numbers normalize and triglyceride levels lower and inflammatory markers lower. People understand that these lab tests that I'm discussing, hemoglobin A1C, C reactive protein, fasting, blood sugar, cholesterol, triglycerides, blood pressure numbers, you medications, you almost can't, you can't even get the benefits that I see clinically with nutrition using even the most powerful medications that pharmaceutical science has developed. And if you do use that much medication to get those kind of changes, you end up a person is guaranteed to have pretty much some sort of side effect or some sort of adverse effect from those medications, whether it's right now or they've doubled or tripled the risk of another disease as a result of taking those medications. So it's a phenomenal impact that you can have just by doing some of the most fundamental aspects. And it gets forgotten about because it's not easy is the main reason. And we all want some bit of a shortcut. And, you know, I do too. Everybody does. We want the maximum result with the least amount of effort, That's usually where humans go to, if it's possible. And that's where we've fallen into this trap of what the traditional medical system tends to offer us for our health issues. We have all chronic diseases, and the medications that are being developed don't work very well for managing chronic disease. And you can even see that in long-term studies. We see that cholesterol medication, we prescribe more of that in the United States than almost any other country, yet we still have very high rates of heart disease. So does it reduce the risk somewhat? Yes, but is it really dealing with the epidemic of cardiovascular disease in our country? Absolutely not, not even close. Would getting people healthy in other more fundamental ways related to lifestyle, like I just described, reduce the risk of heart disease in this country? Absolutely, and you can see that by studying other populations that adhere to more traditional diets and implement the tools that we use in our clinic every single day. So that is the big take-home message today we are talking with amanda archibald and she is the founder of the genomic kitchen a system of choosing preparing and understanding food based on a culinary genomics a term she coined to express this revolutionary merging of genomic science which is something called nutrigenomics which we talked about before on the show and the culinary arts widely recognized for her trailblazing work as a culinary nutritionist and dietitian amanda has a long-standing commitment to redefining the food, nutrition, and cooking education footprint in ways that make them understandable, meaningful, and fundamentally achievable for all Americans. Amanda's visionary approach and unique perspective is derived from more than two decades of experience in nutrition science, culinary translation, on-the-ground interaction with consumers, chefs, and health professionals, and as a consultant to leading institutions and brands. She also leverages her many years as a published analyst in trends research researcher to formulate cutting-edge insights into what's next. Her groundbreaking field-to-plate sustainable food education program launched in 2003 used Flavor, what a thought, huh, as a catalyst (laughs) to unlock people's innate connection to health-giving foods, enlivening the palates of numerous civic educational health and culinary institutions as a means of expanding the pleasures and understanding of food as medicine. Her signature food maps that visually connect flavors and nutrients to further the understanding of different ingredients have opened the door to good health for countless individuals and continue to serve as essential educational tools including ones for the genomic kitchen her work in the culinary genomics unveiling in 2015 has created a new frontier uniting the fields of genomic medicine with the culinary arts through this work amanda is placing food chefs and the kitchen at the epicenter of healing and igniting a new nutrition conversation For the world. So that is a perfect bio for my intro because that's exactly what your mission has been is to help people understand that food and eating healthy is not just, shouldn't just be an afterthought. It can be and literally should be the fundamental of healing for just about every single chronic health condition.
3: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when you were... Talking, um, you know, just before you introduce me, I I just wanted to jump in after every sentence and say, (laughs) I agree, and this is why, and this is why, and this is why. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, really what we're getting to with food is that it is information for the body. Uh, And the more that we can provide the right food to the body, the more information the body has to act and react. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. So, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, because we talked about nutrition a little bit and sure, anything that you were dying to say when I was doing my intro, you can go (laughs) ahead and just (laughs) talk and talk and talk. I want to turn the the microphone over to you, but also I'd love for you to help us understand because you have done something interesting is, you know, talked about genomic kitchen. It's sort of like Mm -hmm. blending these two things together. And I've been aware of the field of nutrigenomics for a while, but maybe help us Mm -hmm. understand what that field is, and how you, you marry these two things.
3: Yeah, I, so I, I think sort of to throwing down the gauntlet uh, for your audience, I mean, I, and I think you'll agree that this field of nutrigenomics, which I'll define in just a moment, really represents the biggest opportunity in health and probably the biggest health shift in decades because what we're really doing is combining genomic science With nutrition science and then walking that into the kitchen to help individuals really rethink about how they choose prepare and understand ingredients that are so important to their health so you know I I think this is the first time that I know in my career and I would probably say for you that we really can walk medicine right into the kitchen in a way that talks to their genes and that has not been possible before um, so the the essence of nutrigenomics is um, it is a field that was, has sort of grown exponentially since the completion of the Human Genome Project, mm-hmm. which was in 2003. And I, I think the more I think about that, Kevin, the more I think that is probably the one of the most stunning achievements in, 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 I don't know, in human science. I don't know how you feel about that, but mm-hmm. to me, the more I look at it, I'm like, That's is we mapped the human genome. Mm-hmm. So we mapped how the human body works. Um, you know, we can go back to Galileo in the sixteenth century to sort of learn uh, about medicine and those brilliant achievements um in medicine. But to map the human genome we've done since two thousand three have sort of this this a uh, platform of science Is now informing a completely different way to think about how the human body operates how it interacts with the environment and more importantly or very importantly how it interacts with food Mm -hmm. so nutrigenomics is the study of how food and its constituents um, impact gene expression and gene behavior so the human genome project told us which genes are inherent in, inherent in humans, and it unfolded that field of understanding how do these genes work, and as a result of that, because food is how the body operates, it then informed a the whole field of science which is well which food which ingredients um, or which components of food operate in which way to impact how genes behave and genes create proteins, right? They they provide the instructions for proteins. And proteins are the construction workers of the body. They're the big doers. They're the everything. So understanding which genes produce which proteins and what those proteins do provides us with an instrumental understanding of health. Um, and that's why this field is so revolutionary because okay. you then dial that back to the kitchen and say, okay, if I know what this gene does and which biochemical pathways it impacts, We then can go back to our grocery list and say, hmm, maybe we need to kind of lean a little bit towards those crucifers (laughs) in the grocery store. Or we may need to be more selective about certain berries or fine-tune our spice rack. Because we now know how components in those ingredients just give me work Mm -hmm. with our genes, provide that important information to our genes.
2: Yeah, it really is such an interesting science and that discovery and mapping of the human genome in 2000 2003 is revolutionary and i mean honestly medical science is really just still figuring out what to do with it you know i mean Uh we we have all this data and information it's almost like if all the scientists and researchers were artists and like we discovered a new color you know it's It's kind of like wow we have this new color and everybody's trying to figure out the best way to to use it. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. some, some things are a little bit of a false start. People get excited about this or about that. And there's mm-hmm. excitement and research and we can do this. And then we realize, well, no, maybe we can't do that, even though we have the information, but mm-hmm. we are figuring it out. And, and what we have learned is that over time, our genetics and how our genetics are expressed can be dramatically affected by our behaviors. hmm. And that is really one of the most interesting and exciting things that we're finding because now we know the genes and we know what genes turn on certain things and turn off. We have genes that turn on, uh, suppress cancer cell lines. We have genes, Mm -hmm. if they get turned on, they activate cancer cell lines. Genes that you know do everything from immune function and neurological, every single function of the body. And we are understanding what type of factors alter the expression of of that gene. And one of my favorite quotes from this radio show is, a doctor that always said, um, you know, health is the favorable expression of our genetic code and disease is the unfavorable expression, which, which implies (laughs) that, you know, the genetic code is the same, but how is it expressed and how it's, how it's expressed is hugely dependent, mostly dependent on our behavior. Right, Amanda? Yeah. It's,
3: you know, I look at it three ways and I know you'll agree. Um, Our genes are pleiotrophic. So they're, they're flexible, but they're not that flexible. So, they will react to the environment we live in, so literally toxins and that and, and the burden of sort literally the environment they respond to connectivity and emotions would mm-hmm. love to talk about um and they respond to food i mean that's to me that's the tri tri they respond to drugs too, okay, but we don't need to, we don't need to go down that route mm-hmm. uh, you know, but they do yeah um focus in the introduction on our behavior and that you literally see people in your clinic who um or they may walk in with a cane but three weeks later they they can they can walk and they felt better than they have in years and to me that is it, it, it goes back to, um, and to to the doctor you were quoting, that genes are not our destiny, they are our tendency. I, I picked that up from someone, we'll maybe Joe Cazorno, who may have said that. Um, but uh, it's true, and that we can, we, we, our, our tool chest has just been repleted yep. as a result of the Human Genome Project, mm-hmm. in what we can do. With nutrigenomic information and culinary genomic information, there's there's no doubt. Plus, this, as you pointed out, this really, really important role of lifestyle and environment. Yep. It, it it's so it's so 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 important. I, in, in some ways, I would say almost more important than food. But I don't want to undermine my own work. But I, <laughs> in my own research, I'm like, you cannot think that you can heal yourself through food alone. Right. You can't. Yep. Right. I think we agree on that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah,
2: it takes multiple aspects, but that is a good foundational underpinning. And, you know, I mean, there are exciting therapies, gene therapies coming out for, you know, cancer therapies and for, um, you know, horrible chronic diseases like genetically inherited diseases like cystic fibrosis. Uh, And, you know, I'm sure over time as we figure out how to to use gene therapy to solve these really complex life-threatening health conditions, there will be other implications on you know, gene therapy approaches for more chronic disease that we deal with in our society. But the reality Definitely. is, is that, you know, um, getting proper sleep, managing your stress and eating an incredibly healthy diet is in, is incredibly powerful gene therapy. Um, it just hasn't been, you know, teased out in the ivory towers of research at this point, you know, with the most cutting edge therapies, but that is gene therapy. You know, every single day that you do something different that manages those issues, it changes the way that your genes express themselves. And by getting healthy in the way that I talked about, let's say at the beginning of the show, by looking at the principles that you lay out, Amanda, you get a health transformation that way. The body is transforming often as a result of gene therapy. Right, Not giving medications that are just blocking or poisoning certain pathways in the body that, let's say, make cholesterol or make uh, an enzyme that regulates blood pressure, because that's how the pharmaceuticals work, and they actually usually have a negative impact on gene expression. So it's such a deeper, wholer level of healing, it's hard to even compare them, and it's here now at our fingertips. And thanks to the research that's come up and the research that you're doing, we understand that this isn't something we should do just because our grandma said so. The, uh-huh. the, the most cutting edge research that we have on genomics is basically confirming what we have seen for a very long time. Amanda, we're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd love for you to talk about some of those more Connectivity and the emotions and some of the other things it. around it because I can tell you're passionate about it and we need mm-hmm. to hear these kinds of messages on the show. So this is Dr. Kevin Pacero with the Essentials of Healthy Living. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after these words.
1: Solgar number seven can help you feel the difference. Solgar number seven actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar number seven is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactive in Solgar No. 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar No. 7 says yes. Solgar No. 7, available at Village Green Apothecary. Staying mentally sharp means nourishing the mind as well as the body. That's why there's new Cognishore from Metagenics. Research shows that the active natural ingredient in Cognishore supports multiple mechanisms necessary for maintaining healthy cognition and a healthy brain as it ages. Cognishore is also easy to take in delicious, chewable chocolate tablets. Have a clear and bright future by maintaining mental capacity with healthy habits and Cognishore. Remember Cognishore for healthy brain aging support. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary.
0: I'm Mark Isaacson, owner of Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda, the most unique pharmacy in the country. You are unique, and at Village Green, we treat you this way. At Village Green, our passion is personalization and getting the root cause of health conditions, guidance
3: on foods, nutrients, and pharmaceuticals to empower you with personalized recommendations just for you. For over 50 years, customers have depended on advice from our expert team of pharmacists and clinical nutritionists. Visit Village Green in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary. I am your host for today, Dr. Kevin Passero. Thank you all for tuning in. We're here every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m. And appreciate all your support through the years. Hope you all enjoy our archive shows. You can listen to all of, excuse me, our previously recorded shows by going to the Village Green website, our wonderful sponsor for the show, they're located right in Bethesda, Maryland, pioneering the work of, of, in health and wellness for the last 40 years. It's actually probably more like 45 years now, um, you know, 45 years ago. Um, you know, my math is terrible, but if you back up, it's probably sometime in the, what, 70s, early 80s at this point. Um, they were basically one of the only pharmacies that were pulling out cigarette machines and putting in multivitamins. And nobody else was doing that. And it was uh, the founders had a mission and had a passion and wanted to affect people's health on a much deeper level. And that is the mission that they started and passed the baton on to other people who have continued to drive that mission in empowering people with their health. It's a, a phenomenal place to go with a ton of awesome products and everything you could ever imagine with health and wellness, and a really educated and dedicated staff that will help you with whatever needs you have. So please. If you're not familiar with the Village Green, call or stop in if you're local, and I think you'll be really amazed and just enjoy your time there. Um, you know, today we've been talking with Amanda Archibald, and she is the founder of the Genomic Kitchen. Amanda, if people want to learn more a little bit about your work, what's the best way they they can learn more?
3: Sure. Um, so just go over to genomickitchen.com okay. and. Yeah, that is um, a website will just open you up to what we're doing. Um, and it just very briefly, um, you know, i am trained um, as, a, as a dietitian, so I have a degree in nutrition science and dietetics, and then advanced training in functional nutrition and nutrigenomics. Um, but if we take all that science and that experience, what I wanted to do was open up this amazing opportunity uh, that we see in science right now to the public. Um so basically the genomic kitchen allows you to get an understanding of what your genomic system, how you can apply that in your life without a genomic test. So genomic testing is kind of the I think it's one of the best investments you can make for your health. Um, making sure you're working with companies um that provide clinical insight and interpretation mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you know what you're looking at. I know you agree with that, Kevin. Just yeah. like you need an expert to help you understand genomic testing regardless of what that test says in front of your eye. Correct. so important.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But right? Um yeah. but uh, because not everybody's gonna go that route, um, I wanted to take the field of nutrient and say, This is what you can do right now in your life, in your kitchen and no tests required. So That's we're great. kind of a stepping stone into the next era of science. We're making it available to you in your kitchen. That's so awesome. So head on to the kitchen. I know. I love it. Yeah, it's really <laughs> I neat. I love it. So Thank let, you.
2: Yeah, let's talk um, a little bit about, we were talking about this on, on the break. I mean, we've discussed mm-hmm. aspects of genetics pretty, pretty deeply, and I think people have some confusion because most people's understanding of genetics goes back to, like, Mendelian genetics, you know, which is like mm-hmm. in high school when you have your... Um, what's that thing? What's the square called? Where like, you know, you have your, your big Y, your Mendelian square, whatever it is, big Y and a little Y. And, you know, you're (laughs) trying to figure out what it is. And like, you know, people want to ask or it's sort of burning like, yeah, I love what they're saying, but like, it doesn't make sense. Like if I change the way I eat, I can't change my blue eyes to brown eyes, or, you know, you can't undo, um, you know, a genetic disease just by eating different. So can you explain the difference between like like a genetic mutation and certain aspects mm-hmm. of our genome that are like blue like hair color and you know yeah. th- things like that that are set in stone and then the genomic expression that can be influenced on a daily basis by food mm-hmm. and environment and stress and toxins and lifestyle and sleep like that we're talking about a little bit. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And let's definitely get into that lifestyle part because I know you and I are passionate about that. So Um, Really important, and when we're talking with clinicians, we have to clarify this. So if you sort of have these questions about um, mutations and your genes, then listen to this. So a genetic mutation, uh, which some of us are scared to death about, um, occurs among about 1% of the population. So mutation is rare. And a genetic mutation is translated from one cell to the next. Um, and it can be life-threatening. It is life-threatening and usually um, does lead to an earlier demise, and it cannot be modified by uh, food or lifestyle intervention. You know, we knew we can use research and pharmaceutical intervention, as you know, but um, in the end, a genetic mutation is life-threatening. So the point to know there is it's rare, okay? So less than 1% of the population. Genomics, um, or, or at, let's, let's sort of define it. So, this is completely different than um, what we're looking at in genomics, where we're looking at single, what we call SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms. And what these are are essentially these little variants or spelling area errors on our genes that basically. Um, Distinguish us one from each other. So that's why maybe you have blue eyes and I have brown, and you have curly hair and I have straight hair. They are not life threatening, right? They are our traits. But when we dig deeper uh, under the hood, um, and this is what we're trained in in genomics and nutrigenomics, um, we we all have these single nucleotide polymorphisms. Uh, you know, that they are extremely common uh, among all of us, like more than 99% of us have. In fact, we all have single nucleotide polymorphisms. And these make up our traits and make up our individualism, our health individualism. So, what we look at with these single nucleotide polymorphisms or spelling errors is we don't just look at one of them, we look at how those little errors stack up in different biochemical pathways so for example when I look at my genomic information I see that I have a number of errors if you will in my detoxification pathways so that means when I look at my information I can now steer my health towards being more cognizant about taking in ingredients that will support detoxification now, this applies to everyone, right? We all need to support our detoxification pathways. But in my case, I may have to lean in a little deeper on certain foods, and in some cases I may need to take some additional supplementation to make sure that I um, detox efficaciously, particularly when I'm looking at things like estrogen detoxification. So genomics and these SNPs allow us to look at patterns, and then when we look at them clinically, we can sort of look at potential Or risk down the road so this is why we work with trained clinicians to help you kind of unpack um, our sort of our our blueprint and give you the best support whether it's emotional behavioral, or food to make sure you steer your biochemistry in the way that's most efficacious Mm -hmm. it's very 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 powerful and I think the the final thing I would like to say with these SNPs is they are modifiable. They do respond to lifestyle intervention. They do respond to nutrient intervention. And you won't die from a SNP. But if you don't, you know, pay attention to your blueprint, then, you know, you, kind of lead, you can leave some, lead some sort of biochemical gateways open that could predispose you to chronic disease or early onset diabetes, heart disease, potentially cancer. But now we have the information to say, huh, Mm-hmm. That is potentially your tendency, but guess what? We have the science and the information, the nutrients and the modifications to steer your course differently now.
2: Right. So, so you
3: are yeah. the rudder of your own ship, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing.
2: Yeah, it is really interesting. It's kind of like a predisposition, but you can, with the right care and the right maintenance, you know, you can sort of yeah. change that a little bit, just like oh. some car makers their cars are known for having bad transmissions, but if you maintain mm-hmm. it really well and you're ahead of yeah. it, you may not have a transmission problem versus somebody else who doesn't take Correct. care of that part of the car, theirs breaks yep. down, right? So, I mean, if you know what exactly. your predispositions are, you can mm-hmm. shift aspects of your lifestyle. You can shift aspects of what you eat and how what we eat or what we do influences our body and and move that along in different directions. And we know that by looking at you know, these SNPs like the ApoE gene, you know, the ApoE2 gene is known to increase risk of heart disease and and Alzheimer's. And so if you have a double copy of that, that's a SNP on, you know, two SNPs on the same gene that is a bad variant, your risk is significantly increased. But it doesn't mean that everybody who has that SNP is going to develop those conditions. And if you can get ahead of it and understand that that SNP is related to your body's inability to process fats in a certain way and modify mm-hmm. your diet to change your ratio of fat intake to make it easier for your body. You have now basically, you know, given pre-maintenance to the bad transmission in your car because, you know, the car that you bought doesn't have a good transmission. And now hopefully it won't break down, you know, so exactly. it's, it's, it's the way to look at it. And that is the beauty of what we understand and what the, you know, Human Genome Project unlocked and what we are are thinking about, and that is, you know, where clinicians like yourself and and me are talking with people every day and trying to help them understand we can influence this. We can, um, yeah, we,
3: we we can, and and I can't overemphasize the importance that uh, with the genomic information that you do work uh, with a trained, you know, licensed, accredited practitioner who understands not only how to read the information with you, but has the ability to evaluate, okay, this or intervene and create a care plan, this is what we need to look at first. And even though your genomic information says, ah, you know, you may have some issues with detoxification or what have you, or um, insulin sensitivity, we know how to order the right labs to mm-hmm. evaluate whether in fact that's true. So genomic information is information. And just because it says, ah, you may have a predisposition, what we then do is map it to lab testing, which will tell us, you know, maybe you do need a little bit more calcium or vitamin D, or even though your genes suggest you do, guess what? You're fine. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, I, I cannot emphasize how important it is yeah. to work with a clinician who understands this um, versus guessing. Otherwise, you're looking for a needle in a haystack.
2: Yep. And, right? <laughs> yeah, you are. You're looking for a needle in the haystack. And sometimes you can, you know, that information can be, you know, really misinterpreted. I've had patients that have come in and said, you know, oh, geez, I've found out that I have, let's say, you know, this, this genetic SNP, and, and they uh-huh. immediately are highly concerned. And, you know, I'm going to end up with this disease and that disease. Mm-hmm. And I have this problem mm-hmm. and I have that problem. And it's like, you know what, that's not really what it means. Let's really understand what this exactly. means and, and the implications that it may have in your health. And what can we do proactively to deal with that aspect of, of your health in a very positive preventative way. And that's getting ahead of it because a lot of times with the genetic SNPs that we're looking at are conferring risk for not just sometimes it is like how you feel day to day, your energy levels, you know, things like that. But really it's about how are, how are we going to hold up on this aging process as we get older? You know, where are we going to be? It's not so much of a big deal when you're 20 or when you're 25 or 30 or 35, mm-hmm. and for some people it is, but a lot of these maybe aren't going to manifest until we get a little bit later on in life, when chronic disease really sets hold in the six, you know, in people's 60s and 70s, exactly. um, and even into the 80s. And so it's mm-hmm. once it's taken hold and you have one of these issues started, it's very hard to undo it completely at that point. But understanding these predispositions beforehand and working mm-hmm. at it can be phenomenally beneficial in helping to prevent these problems from occurring. So we keep Amanda sort of skipping over this really important part that we want to talk about, sort of this aspect of, you know, other things besides just nutrition that can really impact your genetic expression. And again, I can tell the passion in your voice and you're chomping at the bit to talk about it. And I'm excited to hear about it and share it with the listeners. We're going to take a quick break, and that's going to be the number one thing on our Agenda. when we come back from the break in just a minute. So this is Dr. Kevin Passero. We have Amanda Archibald on the phone today. You can learn more about her by going to www.genomickitchen.com. We're going to be back right after these words. Don't go anywhere. MegaFood Premium Whole Food Supplements are the only supplements crafted from scratch with farm-fresh whole foods to deliver nourishment the way nature intended. MegaFood believes Mother Nature knows best they select only fresh whole food, harvested at the peak of ripeness, handle it gently and with care to deliver its vital essence to you in every bottle. Mega Food, from farm to tablet.
0: Nordic Naturals is the easy way to get your omega-3s every day. To learn more, visit Village Green Apothecary or visit nordicnaturals.com. Nordic Naturals, committed to the planet, committed to pure and great-tasting omega oils. The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body. And this is where Gero Formulas Neuro Optimizer comes to the rescue. Neuro Optimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. Neuro Optimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. Neuro Optimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green, Apocalypse. Apothecary.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary. I'm your host for today, Dr. Kevin Pizarro. Thank you all for tuning in. We are having a really interesting and fun discussion with Amanda Archibald. She is the founder of the Genomic Kitchen, which you can learn more about at genomickitchen.com, really blending these two worlds of nutrigenomics and sort of all of this exciting information we've been talking around, talking about around gene expression and how food relates to it. And we've talked a little bit about that. And at some point in the show, we really want to talk about some specific examples of food because that is your expertise, but we've been sort of teasing okay. this one topic a little bit that I'm excited to hear about, you know, besides food. And you, you talk, you said it earlier in the show, you know, to truly heal, you have to do more. It has to be more than just about what you eat. So coming from a dietitian who's really working on promoting food to sort of um, positively shift our genetic expression, I really okay. want to hear where this passion comes from and what your research has borne out around other things in our lifestyle that can significantly impact the positive or negative expression of our genetic code.
3: Yeah. So, um, so very briefly. So when I, when I started looking at research, you know, one of the, the questions we have um, all of us who are trained clinically is how do we live longer, right? And what is consistent with longevity? So I, for a long time, have looked at that. I've looked at the genomic research, uh, but of course, many of us are familiar with the Blue Zones research and Dan Buettner mm-hmm. um, and um, you know his his cohort. Um, so the Blue Zones looked at um, these pockets of centenarians around the world. Um, that are living long lives or extraordinary long lives, so over the age of 100 or over the age of 110. And what's very well known is, of course, there's a deep food aspect, and that's very well documented. And I took that into genomics, by the way, (laughs) which we can talk about another time. But what struck me uh, as I started teaching clinicians was, I would say, as important to the food part was his uh, work on, the published work on what I would call the lifestyles and traditions of centenarians. And I used to kind of, when I was teaching clinicians, I would sort of jump over this, and i said, hey, wait a minute here. This is equally as important. So in a nutshell, what um, we discovered among centenarians is that they all have a deep sense of purpose. They know why they get up in the morning, um, whether they're sheep herders or, or they have just been cooking for their families. You know, for 90 years, they know why they get up in the morning. They are not lost. Mm-hmm. They have a deep sense of connectivity where community and togetherness is really important to them. Um, and the, I thought this was phenomenal that many of them have had the same friends for a lifetime. Mm. So the kids they went to kindergarten with until they died were still the same friends. Mm. Um, and, you know, and we feel we live in a connected world with social media. In fact, we are disconnected, mm-hmm. and this gets into George Slavich's work, which I really want to talk about, but we are disconnected because we're not raising a glass, um, you know, maybe a little glass of wine or whatever, a glass of tea. We're not looking at each other in the eye, at least over Sunday dinner, anymore. We're not holding hands. We're not greeting our neighbors with big hugs. We give, we give, we use emoticons to send you little claps and two thumbs up, mm-hmm. but that. Human connectivity um is inspirational and so connected to our genes, it's like it bathes them <laughs> in the same way that food does. So this work of connectivity, and I could go on and on, um, but really to get so so this really struck me. And I and I started asking the questions it has gotta be genomic about or gene component. How does this talk to our genes? How does this talk to our genes? So Three years ago at the Institute for Functional Medicine International Conference, I was speaking, but I was lucky enough to sit down and hear one of the greatest presentations of my life, which was by Dr. George Slavich, Um, and he was – I think he was entitled The Impact of Social Environment and Genes. And what he was – the question, the research question he was asking was, why is it that um, some people – have elevated levels of chronic disease early on in their life? Why is it they have such an increased risk for developing chronic disease and and, and mortality? And here's what he said, essentially. He said, compared to socially integrated or connected people, social isolation was associated with an enhanced expression of pro-inflammatory genes. I'm like, wait, what? what? Show me the science, show me the science, show me the science. So um, basically, um, he studied a number of, of children, different groups. And I remember him talking very specifically about um, working with uh, teenage girls who had developed asthma. And so he was looking, at, looking behind the scenes and said, why, 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 why? Um, and from a clinical perspective, um, I'll answer the wine room. From a clinical perspective, what he meant by these pro-inflammatory genes is he said that these children and these people who live in these isolated circumstances upregulate NF-kappa-B, and NF-kappa-B is a master gene that turns on pro-inflammatory cytokine genes. we turn on a pro-inflammatory cascade. We are permanently in the on position, mm-hmm. <laughs> your body is currently not by the flight mode, so elevated blood pressure, elevated um, insulin to respond to elevated levels of blood sugars, and when we, as we know, in chronic disease, when we're permanently in the on condition, the body wears out, right? It breaks down our gut, uh, you know, our, our gut borders, it breaks down our immune system, et cetera, et cetera. So we said not only are these people in social isolation turning on probably one of the most pro inflammatory genes in the body, but they're also turning off our antiviral immune response genes. So our systems are turned in the wrong way. We're turning off our defense mechanisms and turning on our inflammation mechanisms. And that, he said, is what is explaining why we see Children, it's one of the great explanations is why we see children who are in low socioeconomic situations or people who are living with violence, bullying, um, stressful marriages, stressful work relationships, home relationships, um, violence, I said, living in isolation. Why we see that relationship with um, stress and early onset of diseases because those environments, are not consistent with our genes. Isn't that brilliant?
2: Yeah, it really is. It really is interesting.
3: It's like, aha.
2: It is interesting because, you know, I mean, there are certain aspects of human history where, you know, I guess connection and social structure was really, you know, the most critical component of survival. uh Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's a lot of, you know, theories and psychologists' understanding of, Feelings we have of of loneliness and acceptance and Mm -hmm. group, I mean, has a lot to do with survival because, you know, a very long time ago, if you were um, shunned from your group or your tribe, it almost meant certain death because it took everybody working together to create the shelter and the food and the basic needs of existence. And if you were left isolated and on your own, your chances of survival were basically nil. so it it makes sense that you know that mm-hmm. that level of human connection, which you know we've so lost, people can live in isolation and think they're connected by sitting in front of Correct. their computer screens and their phones. Uh-huh. But, you know, I mean, I challenge anyone to to see to just think about how different it feels if you are eating dinner, like you said, home alone one night mm-hmm. and sure somebody's texting you or you're checking oh, sure. some sort of social media feed and you, you know, give an emoticon or get a text or something. <laughs> how does that feel versus actually sitting at the table with somebody having a glass mm-hmm. of wine or a glass of water and sharing a meal? It's a completely different yeah. physiological experience. And I guess what, you know, we're you're explaining is um, you know, how that why that feels so different because it is literally affecting us at the deepest core of our physiological Mm -hmm. existence, which is is our genes.
3: Exactly, and that, you can see, if you roll that back to the Blue Zones research, why I just jumped right on that and said, food is a part of this, which I know we're gonna get to, (laughs) because it's fascinating, but we cannot ignore why these people, one of the major reasons why people live long, long life, is they're fulfilled, they're filled with love, they give love, they're respected as elders, And the the relationships are everything, Mm -hmm. and now we know why.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it's really interesting.
3: Isn't
2: it? Yeah, it really, really is. All right, well, when we come back from the break, Amanda, let's kind of tie this together and talk about some of the— some tips, some things you can recommend, everything from, you know, what you eat and other okay. ways to really kind of um, support all of these things that we've talked about. Because I think we've done a really good job of helping people understand how important it is. I always like to make sure in the show we give some practical or easy tips about, all right, well, now that I know all this great information, what what the heck do I do with it all to really improve and better my, my health and my life and my wellness and everything. So when we See come back. back from the break, let's cover that. This is Dr. Kevin Passero, and we're talking with Amanda Archibald. You can learn more about her and her work by visiting www.genomickitchen.com. That's g e n o m i c kitchen Thank you, everybody. We're going to be back right after these words.
1: Solgar Number Seven can help you feel the difference. Solgar Number Seven actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar Number Seven is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar Number Seven help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all. Need when stiff joints occasionally say no. Solgar number seven says yes. Solgar number seven
0: available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics multivitamins. That's right, certified organic, made with the highest quality standards, uncooked, untreated, unadulterated, non-GMO certified, vegan, and gluten free. Kind Organics multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics, now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com.
3: Ah, the joy of commuting in Washington. Whether you work on the hill or outside the beltway, you know how stressful it is to get around. Stress can take a serious toll on your health, and Village Green Apothecary can help. We offer over 10,000 healthy living products, including top-quality nutritional supplements, herbal remedies, and more.
1: Our nutritionists and pharmacists offer a personalized approach to help you with your health needs. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com. Some things are hard to stomach and life doesn't stop for occasional immune challenges or intestinal distress. ProBalarti from Metagenics offers a new targeted probiotic approach for intestinal support. Help maintain control while traveling, or as a follow-up to antibiotic therapy to support intestinal flora for healthy intestinal function. ProbiLardi provides ID-certified probiotic strains, suggested by research to enhance certain aspects of immune function, in addition to promoting a healthy balance of intestinal microflora. ProbiLardi is the go-to probiotic for patients on the go.
0: Get it today. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green. Have apothecary. you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months?
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary. Thank you all for tuning in. We're here every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m. Today, we're wrapping up our conversation with Amanda Archibald. She is the founder of the Genomic Kitchen, a system of choosing, preparing, and understanding food based on culinary genomics, which is a coin that she termed to express this revolutionary merging of genomic science and the culinary art. So we've covered a lot of ground today, Amanda. We've talked a lot about, you know, really, really interesting topics. Let's tie it all together in this last segment. Maybe give us some specific examples, some of the things that, you know, based on your research and your clinical experience that you see are fundamental um, practices that people should implement, whether it's their food or their social life or whatever it is, based on what you've discussed to, you know, maximize the positive expression of our genes.
3: Okay, let me give let me give a perfect example. And you know, what we did at the genomic kitchen because we're all about food is we packaged all this information into a concept called M I S E. So mise like mise en place is how we set up um a station in a professional restaurant to produce um food specific to a plate. So you can learn more a lot more about you know how you work with food to talk to your genes for the genomic kitchen. Um but specific to the today, one of the things we deal with in um, disease. Um, it's, it's a hallmark of is oxidative stress, which is the inability to deal with these unstable reactive oxygen species. So, the body has innate intelligence. And one of the genes that we work with to help you basically turn on a fire hose in your cell and get rid of these uh, reactive oxygen species is called NRF2. And we can use food to turn on... NRF2, which basically will turn on a fire hose in your cell uh, and encodes for your own antioxidants, which are very powerful. You don't get those antioxidants from food. Your body produces them. So if you go to the grocery store and you bypass all those crucifers, you need to stop in your tracks and spend a lot of time among the crucifers. Because crucifers, so your cabbage, kale, radishes, wasabi, arugula, watercress are all examples of cruciferous mustard greens as well bok choy um, what they do they contain glucosinolates glucosinolates uh, when you cut crucifers, um, you actually activate a process by which those glucosinolates in your crucifers react with an enzyme called myrosinase and you produce a compound called sulforaphane sulforaphane turns on that nrf2 gene which Will then turn on the most powerful antioxidants in your body. So the best thing to my number one thing I tell people to do is grab those crucifers because so other than the fiber and all the wonderful nutrients they have, they have the ability to produce this compound called that is so instrumental to how one of the most important genes in your body works. The other thing you can do to turn that gene on is to grab your turmeric, okay, and use that everywhere you can. Um, I would definitely say if you can use the root, fantastic. And by heating the root, um, it actually produces other compounds that have a food gene conversation as well. So turmeric and those crucifers are instrumental to how you think about your health moving
2: forward. Mm. Yeah, those are two incredibly, you know, powerful food ingredients. So when we say, you know, I mean, Say oh yeah you know I like those foods I eat them I mean if somebody's really trying to impact a change what what do you recommend a couple servings a day 3 servings a day I mean how do you actually use the food in a way where you might really notice a difference not just this idea that it's helping you
3: yeah, you know, and it's funny, it, it, we have been taught mathematics of food for a long, long time, right, that if you eat 5, 7, 9, 11, 13 portions of whatever day, you'll get better. We all respond differently, Kevin, and I think the bottom line for people, it's not about eat a bunch of kale a day, it's to eat a wide variety of foods, which include crucifers every single day mm-hmm. of your life if you can in the raw form as, and cooked is what you want to strive for. So I don't want you to leave with the impression that like, if I have turmeric with every meal, I to feel better because genes don't just respond to food. Remember, mm-hmm. they respond to stress, they respond to exercise. So it's a whole package of which food is about 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I think the biggest thing I can leave you with is every single day, Get one of those great salads on your plate. And in that salad, I want you to put some form of a crucifer. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do the salad, it goes into that smoothie in the morning. But I want every day one big old handful of kale, a bok choy, or salad, you know, radish greens Mm -hmm. in your smoothie or on your plate will be the first place to start.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great concept. And I think what also people have to understand is that, you know, introducing these foods is is great, but you also have to slowly extract some of the foods that have the opposite effect, you know? And I think yeah. a lot of people, research has borne this out with the concept of omega-3s and omega-6s. And if people eat a really, really unhealthy diet, but go out and take an omega-3 vitamin supplement, the overall net benefit of that omega-3 vitamin supplement is not that great if their diet is still really high in omega-6s. To get the maximum benefit, you've got to start to restrict right. some of the inflammatory fats in addition to increasing the the anti-inflammatory fats in your diet, and that's where you get the benefit. So really looking at this as a as a whole picture, and instead of just you know, you can grab a kale smoothie in the morning, which is that's which is right. great, and it's better than not doing it. but if the rest of your day is a really, really poor diet, clearly you're not going to get the maximum maximum benefit. What other types of things or examples do you recommend, Amanda?
3: You know you mentioned the uh, omega-3 uh, which is you know we could talk about that all day as well but um, absolutely um, absolutely important because some of us have a SNP or a variant that if we don't get um, omega-3s from our, our seafood uh, which are in the DPA and DHA form um, we and so we resort to plant-based sources of omega-3 we don't actually convert them very very well so if you are not a vegan, then you need to seek out the, the, the best insurance policies to seek out the um, quality seafood sources of omega-3 fatty acids. If you're not taking the supplement, and get mm-hmm. those on your plate as often as you can. Mm-hmm. And people worry about seafood so use uh, and contamination. So use this acronym SMASH, which stands for salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. Mm-hmm. Those are your cleanest. Best sources of sweet fatty acids, um, with, and, you know, a lot of times we have to resort to quality canned or packaged yep. for sardines, right? So Wild Planet will be one I'm thinking of, and there's a number of other um, brands out there. But you want those on your plate, and you mm-hmm. don't want them with the bones picked out. Get the skin and the bones in there, okay? You won't taste them. Um, and a hint on sardines use a bunch of lemon. It will take care of any taste that you're worried about. Fantastic. It's a good
2: call. Yeah, definitely one of the healthiest foods out there. If people are willing to eat sardines, we're always, always promoting that. And, you know, I try and have it at least twice a week just because it is one of the healthiest food sources out there. So, all right, Amanda, we're about out of time. Thank you so much for the really interesting dialogue today. People, if you would like to learn more, about Amanda and all of her phenomenal work and research you can visit www.genomickitchen.com Amanda thank you again for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be with us today really appreciate it
3: thanks I was on it thank you so much
2: all right, everybody, this is Dr. Kevin Pacero thanking you all for tuning in and wishing you the best of health until next time. Take care.
3: Did you know at Village Green Apothecary,
1: we offer everyday savings on top quality nutritional supplements, including herbs and homeopathic remedies, plus personal care products and more? That's right. In addition to our big sales events, you can save up to 20% on most everything you need for a healthier lifestyle. Today and every day. At Village Green, we care about our customers. We've been providing the best nutrition and and healthy living products for over 50 years. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.
2: Hey, everybody, it's David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast, the DC area's one and only food
1: and wine variety show. On Sunday, we have Ellen and Todd Gray back in studio. They have just launched There Is Really Concept. Manna, and they are bringing in their culinary food historian and their coffee maker, and we're going to talk about how they came up with this Israeli-based restaurant.
2: That's Fooding the Beast this Sunday and every Sunday at eleven, right here on fifteen hundred AM.
1: WFED Washington, WTOP FM HD two Washington, WTLP FM HD two Braddock Heights, Frederick, Federal News Radio.